Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Anthony Vitiello, who's VP of Sales and Marketing at Ultraship TMS. And today we're going to talk about critical considerations when selecting a transportation management system. Um, you know, even though transportation management systems have been around, you know, for decades, there's still many companies out there that haven't implemented one, and they're just starting out to, you know, evaluate the different solutions and different providers out there in, in the marketplace. So what are some important considerations that they should take into account? Um, how should they factor in pricing and deployment options in their, in their choice? And uh, are there any capabilities companies ought to be looking at uh, beyond the basics? Well, those are some of the key questions we're going to address in today's episode. And uh, it's great to welcome Anthony back on the program to share his insights and advice on, the to on this topic. So, Anthony, welcome back. Adrian, it's fantastic to be back with you again. This, these uh, episodes of ours are always uh, some of the high points of uh, – of my time uh, serving here at Ultraship DMS. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. I always enjoy having these uh, these conversations. Of course, to a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is TMS. You know, a topic that I've been uh, you know kind of looking at and researching for you know for over twenty years now. And you know, um, you know, with our companies looking you know to implement a TMS for the first time, or they're looking to to you know implement the solution, uh, you know, replace an existing solution. You know, sometimes the hardest part for them is you know, knowing where or how to begin, um, you know, the, the, the whole process. So, I mean, what are some important considerations or questions that companies should, you know, take into account as they prepare to embark on this journey? You know, that's, uh, it really, that's a great question. And it's, it, it's, it gets at the core of what uh, folks tasked with DMS selection um, have to concern themselves with. Uh, I always like to say, if you put four TMS salesmen in a room and you ask them this question, you're guaranteed to get at least six answers, right? Uh, but, but seriously, you know, th th there's plenty of important questions uh, that need to be addressed across a fairly broad array of uh, categories. Uh, things like functionality, uh, data security, usability, integration readiness, of course, price, and, and the list is, is long and it goes on and on. Uh, but before you get to any of these questions and superseding them all uh, is a much more critical question. And one that if it is uh, improperly considered or even worse, uh, avoided altogether, leads almost invariably to lackluster results. And in the worst case scenarios, you know, to those uh, dreaded failed implementations that, you know, you hear these horror stories, it's, uh, uh, it's no good. But, you know, like so many other things in this life, and not to sound too much like a philosopher here, um, to effectively address uh, external problems or challenges, one must first look within, right? Um, the, the reality is, look, if an organization is seeking a solution, it's really critical that they first uh, come to some really firm grasp and understanding um, about the problems and business challenges uh, that they're, you know, uh, seeking a solution, you know, to mitigate and ameliorate. Um, and, and, you know, no matter how powerful a solution a, a company might choose to engage, um, it's not going uh, to, if, it, if it's not going to align properly with the challenges that they face, uh, it's not going to be very effective. So, you know, what we advocate for strenuously from the earliest engagements that we have with prospective customers here at Ultraship uh, is for the prospect to define how it sees its needs uh, and its challenges on a continuum uh, between control on one side, right, and convenience on the other side. And here's what I mean by that. 
you know, some organizations seek to exert a much more fulsome control over their logistics operation. Uh, and this inherently, you know, results in greater visibility into the operational data uh, uh, that supports their operations and gives them more hands-on control over decision-making, whether it's in areas like rate management, carrier performance, spot market performance, uh, accessorial management, fleet and equipment utilization, and a host of other metrics. You know, obviously, in order to achieve this, uh, a shipper must not only have technology that delivers visibility, but they will also need to have on their staff some operational resources that have wherewithal to interpret the data, uh, to, that have the understanding of what questions should be asked, uh, and most importantly, bandwidth on a day-to-day -day basis to address the outputs of what they uncover uh, throughout that process. Now, um, you know, these, these resources, they also need to have, um, you know, beyond the, their abilities and understanding of transportation logistics, a baseline comfort level with the technological systems and processes that they're going to need to successfully manage a, a very active hands-on approach to managing shipping processes. Um, in my experience, you know, organizations that have left less depth of experience uh, in both of these dual competencies, transportation experience and technology and data mining, uh, um, you know, and this is something that's more common among the SMB sort of segment of the market, um, there just isn't as much budget for retaining higher levels of experience resources in transportation uh, and, you know, uh, choosing a solution where some of the control and visibility is traded off for convenience might be more appropriate for a company like that. Uh, and this is why, you know, there are so many outfits out there, TMS outfits uh, that are uh, offered tech, tech solutions. Well, they're not really TMS outfits, back up. Uh, you know, they're basic tech solutions that are provided by third-party logistics companies, for example. Uh, there are also some that are built by smaller technology companies uh, who partner with brokerage houses, right? Uh, the, these models, they provide connectivity for quick, simple tendering automation, uh, tracking, and kind of other basic TMS functionality. Uh, but more in-depth processes like um, uh, performance management, uh, lead time and tendering analytics, and most importantly, rate visibility uh, in these models, they're, you know, are, are not managed by the ship. Uh, instead, those functions are handled by the third-party logistics company or the brokerage partner that's involved. Now, you know, it goes without saying that um, these types of metrics, carrier performance, you know, rate information, uh, are not metrics that a 3PL or a broker has much incentive to necessarily share with their shipper customer. So in these models, the shipper trades off a modicum of uh, control in exchange for the convenience of having, um, you know, uh, these organizations to lean on. Um, you know, the shipper does some level of automation for their logistics processes, uh, and they can do so with a somewhat smaller staff, but they're trading off that full visibility piece and the control that comes along with owning their own data and leveraging that data to improve rate compliance against benchmarks, improve lead times and scheduling, hold their carriers to uh, standards for performance and compliance, and a host of other key performance you know, you you brought up a lot of great you know points there. You know, Anthony, I I love you know that that first point. You know, in terms of you know taking a step back and really asking that question in terms of what what is it the what's the business problem or the business opportunity, particularly around transportation that we're trying to accomplish here. 
um, you know, before we even get into the specifics of, of the technology. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great, um, uh, you know, advice because a lot of times, you know, you can go head first into uh, any kind of technology implementation. And, but if you haven't really well, you haven't defined, you know, very clearly, um, you know, what the business problem or the opportunity is, um, and, you know, it's very difficult then to measure success. It's very difficult then to get buy-in across the organization in terms of why you're doing this and, and so forth. So I think that's a, that's a great example. That's a great uh, point there. The other one is great too. I mean, you, know, you talked about a little bit about the trade-off between, you know, control and, uh, you know, and, and convenience. And I think that, you know, the, the fact that, uh, particularly from a control standpoint, that it's more than just the technology, right? You really need to invest in the people aspect of it and have folks internally that, understand transportation management, uh, are comfortable or can become power users of the TMS to really drive those levels of business value and uh, uh, operational performance that you talked about, I think that's another critical aspect that, that, that's important. I think a lot of companies overlook when they're looking at TMS. And to your point, a lot of companies say, you know what, we don't have uh, th those, uh, those resources internally. We don't, uh, we don't look to invest in that area. We may not view it as a core competency, and that's where kind of that more convenience model that you talked about, you know, is a better, uh, is a better fit. Um, you know, compared to 20 years ago, when, when I first started, you know, researching, you know, TMS, there are a lot more, uh, you know, there are a lot more choices today uh, regarding deployment options and, and, and pricing models. I mean, how, how does a shipper decide which deployment option or pricing model is best for them? I mean, what, what factors, factors should they consider? You know, a shipper will have to weigh these benefits uh, of more active management and with the absolute control and visibility that that delivers against the benefits of a model that alleviates that day-to-day -day burden of active management in exchange, though, for a little bit less visibility and control. Um, and with the higher control levels that are delivered by a pure shipper's TMS, uh, the shipper will have uh, to have stronger internal resources, like you said, uh, to manage those processes and technologies. Uh, but the potential for overall savings doing it that way is significantly higher. And, and, and we've really proven that, uh, you know, with the customers we've worked with. Um, all, you know, all, all that reporting and analytics and transparency into rates and, uh, uh, you know, the performance drivers uh, give this shipper the powerful tools they're going to need to drill into the root causes of performance, make corrective actions to mitigate, you know, uh, lagging performance, have better, stronger, more effective uh, carrier management and improve their access to capacity, which, you know, sometimes uh, it can be challenging. Uh, and, you know, all of this sort of, you know, supports uh, a more forward-leaning aspect of supply chain management, uh, you know, getting to uh, things like demand planning activities and other predictive analytics, and, and it increases supply chain velocity while simultaneously reducing cost and waste. And, you know, if they do it right, if they execute right, uh, the savings that they're going to get with the control model are going to far outpace, you know, what looks like, uh, you know, additional cost at the outset. Uh, but it's really, you know, compared to the savings potential, a nominal cost that they're paying to uh, maintain full control over their transportation process. Okay. And with respect to the pricing question, uh, you know, the recent proliferation of PMS entrants into the market that offer, you know, low cost and in some cases no cost solutions compared to the enterprise uh, level solutions that are uh, still, you know, uh, a more significant monthly subscription. Uh, there's a lot to understand about this. 
but the first thing to keep in mind is that there is a, a big misconception that the reason why we're seeing so many lower cost or, or, or you know, freeware sort of solutions is because uh, cloud computing has brought the overall cost of uh, you know, using enterprise software down. Uh, but you know, as I re recently wrote in an article published uh, by uh, Talking Logistics there, uh, the article was called, Who Really Pays for Low-Cost or No-Cost CMS? And it kind of gets to the heart of the differences between you know, the, the, the vast gulf in price between the different ends of the spectrum. And look, you can deploy a solution that costs nothing or very little on the front end, but will ultimately wind up costing you a lot more than those that have the higher seeming subscription costs. Uh, you know, first off, many times a freemium offering, as it's referred to, is used by a company to attract customers. And then very soon after signing the contract, the shipper using it realizes that in order to access some of the, you know, uh, more powerful and useful functionality in that solution, they have to pay more to activate it. Uh, kind of like those free apps you get on your phone where it's, it's a cool app and you download it for free, but when you go and try and use it, obviously, you know, the, the best uh, nuggets uh, are going to require, you know, some form of payment. Uh, but that's not all of them. Uh, you know, many other freemium providers uh, are able to deliver their solutions to shippers for next to nothing because, you know, they're making the margin elsewhere. Uh, for example, uh, you know, in the article I wrote for you, uh, I said, you know, in many cases, uh, you know, these solutions are subsidized by carriers and brokers, which are these solution providers' primary customers. Uh, there was an article recently by um, senior tech edit editor Eric Johnson over at Journal of Commerce, uh, where, where he, you know, he, he said in some cases up to 90% uh, of the customers on these freemium solutions are brokers and and, and 3PLs. Uh, you know, so these relationships, uh, you know, with the, with the shippers help these these uh, freemium providers build out their carrier network. And then they can feed the carriers and brokers the valuable shipper data uh, that's captured in the, the free versions of those software tools. Uh, there are other low-cost solutions, not the freemium model so much, but these are what uh, Eric Johnson refers to as brokers in TMS clothing. Um, and these sort of broker-fielded solutions make their money on the freight moves, not on the software licensing. Um, and about this, Johnson says that uh, the 3PLs or brokers brand themselves as a TMS, uh, but as a licensed broker, they derive their revenue not from TMS sales, but from the transactional fees on the freight that they book uh, through their technology on their marketplace. Um, you know, um, adding to that, uh, Chris Cunane, uh, the ARC advisory uh, analyst, uh, agrees in, in large part uh, based on what I've read of his uh, one thing he wrote. He said, you know, in, in these solutions, Route guide is populated with uh, carriers that the broker has a relationship with, and the broker makes their money based on the spread between what the shippers pay for the shipment and what the broker pays the carrier. Now, uh, you know, between the extra activations that a shipper might need to pay for with a, uh, a, a nominally free solution uh, and the savings that they're missing from rate and performance perspective, uh, the shippers aren't really getting a free TMS. For and for the money, they probably have been better off, uh, you know, from the outset going with a more robust uh, and fully, vis uh, you know, full visibility and control focused offering. Uh, that said, I highly recommend that you go over to TalkingLogistics.com and, and uh, for more details on the question of who pays, I, I wrote it up in the article there. And it's uh, worth checking out.
Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Thank, thanks for uh, pointing people to, to the, uh, the, the commentary there. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, a lot more diversity today in, in pricing models and, and deployment options. And I think, you know, one of the key takeaways for me is, you know, you really have to understand or ask the right questions in terms of understanding, you know, what, uh, what each solution provides at the, at the uh, you know, at the price point being offered and, and understanding, um, y- you know, the, uh, uh, the, the overall costs if you will, uh, from a total cost of ownership, you know, standpoint, you know, for, for each, of, each of the models, because, you know, as you stated, I mean, there, there's a lot of differences between uh, the, the different pricing models and the different deployment options, you know, that, that go along, you know, with them. Um, so, you know, uh, of course, ultimately, we have to start talking about functionality and, and ultimately, you know, you're going to pick a solution that's going to meet your, your functional requirements. That, that's got to be important too, as part of the, part of the process. I mean, when it comes to, you know, functionality, is there, uh, you know, something beyond the basics that shippers ought to, you know, look for? Yeah, absolutely. Look, on one hand, we're seeing a much greater sort of parity these days with respect to the functionality that's available across different platforms. Uh, you know, one thing I took away from uh, a recent attendance earlier this year in the spring at, a, at an annual symposium uh, produced by one of the, the top industry analyst organizations out in Phoenix uh, was that, uh, EMS adoption amongst largest enterprise shippers is, is nearing 100%. It's a high 90s. Uh, that means those shippers are already pretty well informed about all the standard and expected features uh, and functions that should be included in a contemporary TMS offering. Uh, to a large degree, you know, these top players uh, in the space, they all, you know, in the TMS space, all enjoy very similar capabilities in terms of features and functionality. Uh, so there's not much left to differentiate one platform from another uh, in the top tier of providers when it comes to the functionality. But a differentiation point lie today uh, is in the ability of a TMS solution to integrate uh, with other solutions that uh, shippers are going to use in their supply chain tech stack. Um, and this is a, a topic I wrote about in my most recent contribution to the venerable Talking Logistics uh, 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 online uh, site there. Uh, that, that article was uh, titled, Don't Wait to Start Supply Chain Digitization. Um, have I mentioned how awesome a resource Talking Logistics is uh, for the, today's uh, supply chain management professional? Uh, anyway, in that piece, uh, I note that uh, the next step in the evolution of supply chain logistics is connecting critical operational data that's captured and stored in your TMS uh, with other supply chain applications in your tech stack, both upstream and downstream. Um, you know, things like your ERP systems, your warehouse management systems, your yard management tools, fleet management tools, and other uh, systems that are going to you know, feed information in and out of your TMS. Uh, and the holy grail here is the ability to support more and uh, more effective operations, staffing, scheduling, manufacturing and production, delivery and fulfillment, and settlement across uh, the supply chain by digitizing the data uh, and effectively passing it uh, across the multiple technology solutions in use by your organization. Uh, So when considering a TMS partner, or really any supply chain technology partner for that matter, a critical consideration is the extent to which a provider can deliver uh, the integration capabilities needed to support uh, modern supply chain digitization. Uh, behind me here is the, the logo for our tool, uh, and this is a, an infographic. I'm not sure how well you'll be able to uh, uh, see it here on, on the recording, but uh, it's available on our website, ultrashiptms.com. Uh, and what it shows is 
um, the uh, the technology that we've built uh, 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 that illustrates, you know, what a digitization-ready TMS is able to accept by way of uh, information from all those different systems that I mentioned across different data formats, whether it's uh, XML via API or EDI or uh, iDocs, SMS, CSV, flat files, whatever it is, um, you know, it accepts all the information, uh, order information, shipment information, scheduling, status updates, invoicing, settlement information transmitted from all the different uh, relevant supply chain solutions and, uh, and makes it, it parses that information, makes it easy to, to manipulate in the TMS, and then when it has to be uh, flowed back out downstream to other uh, supply chain platforms, it sends it back out in its native format. Um, you know, so the, this Nucleus uh, digital supply chain hub that we offer uh, you know, makes easy uptake for processing in TMS, plan, execute, and settle transportation logistics. Uh, and I'd say, you know, that the speed at which supply chain tech is evolving these days, a shipper seeking a new TMS should focus really on the provider's ability to deliver uh, this type of functionality. Uh, as, you know, like I said at the beginning of this rather long-winded answer, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the meat and potatoes features and functionality are pretty much become uh, industry standard no matter which tool. Yeah, you bring up a great, a great point, Anthony. I mean, I know that, um, you know, and I've said this before as well, you know, a, a transportation management system doesn't operate in, in isolation, right? Uh, in fact, it, it is probably one of the, the enterprise systems out there that need to integrate with so many different applications, like you talked about WMS, TMS, YMS, ERP systems, online ordering systems, and a lot of other you know, even external systems, uh, and now even with e-commerce, sometimes you're, you're seeing, you know, integrations there as well. And, and that's one of those areas where I think a lot of companies, um, you know, they, they focus so much on the features and functions of the TMS itself, meaning, you know, can, can it do optimization? Can it, you know, convert LTLs into TLs? And those are all important things, but they overlook sometimes the integration aspect of it. And that's where a lot of failed implementations or, or, or delays happen with, implementa with uh, implementations and rollouts is that companies really didn't take those integration considerations uh, into account early on uh, as they were evaluating and selecting partners to truly understand what the requirements are so that they can make an informed decision there. So I think you know, understanding you know, the integration requirements, where, you know, what kind of data do you need to uh, put into the TMS and what kind of data needs to come out of the TMS and what formats and what systems you need to integrate with. Those are all questions and considerations that, you know, every shipper ought to be thinking about and, and really, um, you know, clearly define upfront uh, as you talked about, because that is a, a critical, you know, success factor there. Well, Anthony, we're running short on time here. So I'm just going to get to my last, you know, question here, you know, as a way to wrap up. I mean, so, so let's say you've, you've uh, selected the right TMS for your organization based on, on everything we, we've talked about. I mean, what, what advice would you give to shippers to, um, you know, regarding implementing it, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, uh, they have a successful implementation? Well, I think uh, the most important thing is to ensure that you select a provider that's right size for you, right? Uh, a provider that's going to um, be able to deliver the level of, so training, support, uh, uh, knowledge base that you can lean on as a shipper, uh, particularly uh, during the critical implementation phase, 
and even after Solution Go Live, um, as your business evolves and 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 grows and and may change, different processes emerge, different processes sunset. Uh, you really want to uh, spend time beyond considerations of cost, functionality, features, uh, and even you know integration capabilities uh, to the culture of the organization that you're going to be partnering with, because. Uh, you know, you're not just buying a technology, you're, you're buying the company that produces it and the company that supports it. And ultimately, it's about the relationship that you can build. Uh, what, what you want is an organization that's going to act as an extension of your existing transportation logistics department, it's not going to be looking at you as just another sort of support burden or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, and, and again, you know, this is uh, more of the art than the science of it, you know, the science being technology piece of it uh, you know, taking the time to do your due diligence about uh, uh, the organization that you're dealing with and their track record for success um, you know what uh, uh, other shippers are saying you know about them in the marketplace uh, because it really is uh, a relationship uh, it's not a transactional sort of sale at least not the way we perceive it here at, at UltraShip. Uh, you know we, we really Sort of regard our customers as you know members of our organization and uh and this is why we you know our policy is to uh assign dedicated resources to each account that remain uh involved in that account for the duration of the term uh you know that way you're on a first name basis with people that you call in to talk to for e-trainings and support and for change requests and all these things and you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you don't have to uh you know, explain to the people what your processes are or you know how you do things because they've been with you there from the beginning that's an important question to ask when you're going out to you know to rfi rfpq um beyond the functional beyond the you know the financial and all those things is how do you approach change management how do you approach you know uh, uh process management and 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 and, and growth and and, and evolution uh, you really want to find an organization that's uh, going to be there for you for the long haul. That's that's what I recommend. You know, that, that's great advice. And I, I always go back to one of my favorite, you, you talked about, you know, some of the guest commentaries you submitted uh, for Talking Logistics. Well, there was one that we we published um, from our friend Kate Vitasek at the University of Tennessee. And she wrote about, you know, wh why we need to redefine RFP and not talk about RFP as a request for proposal, but RFP as a request for partner. And really thinking about it from a partnership, you know, standpoint. And I think I, I'm hearing a lot of things today, more and more from shippers. That it, to your point, you know, they're looking for a partner because there is the there is success. You can measure there's two ways to look at success. There's the success success of the implementation at Go Live, and then there's the young the ongoing success after the implementation, right? How do you continue to deliver value, deliver results after that Go Live? Because we all know that. Um, transportation networks change, the transportation market change, your business changes, and having a partner there that can help you, you know, navigate those changes on an ongoing basis and help you as the shipper um, deliver business value on an ongoing basis is, is critically important. So I think that, that advice is, uh, you know, spot on. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. You know, the, the implementation is three to 12 weeks. The rest of the contract is three to five years. That's when, you know, you really have to, you know, have chosen, chosen wisely. 
Great. Well, Anthony, as always, uh, you know, we, you know, these, we could probably talk all day about this, this subject okay. matter and uh, we always just managed to scratch the surface, but you provided some great food for thought and advice. So thank you for being with us on the program today. Thanks as always for having me, Adrian. Uh, like I said, it's a highlight for me. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Ultraship TMS website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Anthony, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than respond via, uh, you know, via that media. So again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day. Thank you.